This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. White Sox! White Sox! Go, 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 go! Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill and Locked On Socks at Locked On Socks is the way you can follow our show on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. If you call 312-566-8727, call it during the game. Call it after the game. Leave a voice message. 312-566-8727 for our voicemail. For our emails, it is LockedOnSocks at Gmail. Those are the ways you can contact us, and we appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. We've had some great weeks of listenership and great feedback, so keep it going. Go to Apple. Give us as many stars as you want, but we want the five stars. Leave a message, too. Ask your friends to listen, too. But without any further ado, there is Chris Tannehill. And how you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. Hope everyone enjoyed their off day yesterday from the White Sox. Although when they're playing like this, you don't want them to be off. But the Tigers are in town tonight. And real quick, I just piggybacking off what you said there. I think I could say with full confidence that March was our, our best month for this show since we started. And that means a lot to me. And granted, we had, you know, COVID stuff last season and we started and stopped uh, a couple times and everything was truncated and we were still growing the audience, which we still are. Uh, but March 2021 was our most productive month for for downloads, for interactions, for all the stuff that you want. And we're, we're certainly trending up. So I just I can't thank you guys enough for just being awesome with, with the, the mailbag and the voicemails and, and tweeting us that, you know, when you're watching a game, thinking about Herb and I and things that we say on, on the show or things you want us to talk about on the show. It just it's it's great like to see that this hard work uh, paying off on the show and seeing you guys enjoy it as much as you do. It just it really means a lot. So uh, thank you guys for making uh, March of 2021 our most successful month uh, ever on the show. Hopefully we keep building on that month after month after month. And we're talking about a World Series championship here where we're shattering our own record every month as we go here. I, thir- I certainly think there's capabilities for this team uh, to help us achieve that. But uh, speaking of what this team's doing on the field, uh, it is episode 219 here today on Locked on White Sox. And we didn't talk a whole lot of, about Michael Kopech yesterday in yesterday's program. And that was uh, strategically done so because we felt that Michael Kopech and his situation deserved an entire episode about him. Because on Sunday's game, to finish off that sweep of the Rangers, Kopech was just outstanding um, to give you an idea of how good he was actually Kopech finished his day uh, 87 pitches um, coming from 41 pitches against Boston the week before coming on six days rest five innings pitched gives up just four hits only one run it was earned the big thing here no walks and 10 strikeouts 87 pitches 60 of them for strikes he was pounding the zone all day 
14 swing and misses for Michael Kopech, and it was just it was appointment television every time he's out there, but especially on Sunday for him to come out there and, and shut the door uh, when you're looking for a sweep of a, of a team. He came out and did his damn thing, Herb. What did you like most about Michael Kopech from Sunday's start? Just I saw a tweet earlier, and I think it was from Jim Margulis, who's at Sox Machine, and uh, I think he runs Sox Machine along with uh, Josh Nelson. He said, Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease have the same arsenal of pitches, but they also don't. And I was like, that is the perfect tweet. It's like, because they throw the same. Fastball, slider, curve, change. But it's different. That 98 from Cease is different from 98 of Kopech in both how that person delivers it, how that person can present himself on the mound. I was telling Courtney while watching the game, I was like, the guy... Michael Kopech just has a an air about himself that he knows he's the shit. He understands that, and he harnesses that into the pitches that he's throwing. And I think what it is a kind of Falefa ran into one, and that was it. Everybody else had no shot today. Michael Kopech is, and we keep on saying this every outing, and you're out there saying, oh, it's versus the Rangers. Tell me a team that he's looked bad against. Please. Please, Jesus. When Michael Kopech takes the mound, that ultimate confidence comes over you because he has ultimate confidence. And he, he, I think the only person this year to throw, to have 10 strikeouts in the first four innings of a start is Jacob DeGrom. That's the type of air he's in right now. He's in that type of air with his pitching performances. We'll get to what our thoughts about him his long term, but – that Sunday start is a segment of what we think he's going to be doing for the rest of his career. I think this is a start of a career, a restart of a career that could be legendary. Remember, he's still a rookie, guys. He qualifies <laughs> for rookie of the year. So remember that he is probably in appearances and age. He's younger than Dylan Cease, but he is miles past him. And he's miles past most pitchers at this point of their career. We are lucky, very lucky to have one of those guys as a starting rotation guy. Now, we'll get to it soon enough. Will he be the starter at the end of the year? Will he be a starter sooner than later? I hope so, but I know why there's reason for pause in that regard. Yeah, you're channeling your inner uh, Charlie Murphy here when talking about Rick James. Is uh, is he had uh, the orange, the aura? I seen it when he was out there on the mound. Like that's what it looked like. But Mm -hmm. you know, it just you can't frame this discussion without talking about the Dylan C's element of it. And, you know, I just, I want to talk about Dylan C's quickly here because it informs the decision the Sox are going to have to make. When you talk about what Dylan C's came out and did on, on Friday and, and Dylan C's has had every opportunity to, to make it right at the big league level. He's, he's been here a while now and, you know, he's, he was here when there was no expectations on the team allowed to figure things out. And I've been a, a, a very hardcore Dylan C's supporter during all that time, because I see, like like you know, Jim Margulis mentioned there, and like you said, uh, you know, the, the stuff is there. But at, at at what point do you have to say, okay, we need to reevaluate how we're doing things? You know, I talk about it all the time 
on the show how starting pitching is so hard to develop and to project, and that's why the, the Theo Epstein model of going out and, and acquiring starting pitching or paying for starting pitching is uh, is a lot of times it's it makes more sense than trying to develop guys because it's going to be incredibly frustrating, and these guys develop on their own timelines, not when you want them to develop. So I, I say that, and you know, while saying this, Dylan Cease was just – bad on Friday okay he goes out there against the Rangers pitches three and a third barely outlast Dane Dunning who, who was out of that ball game uh, before the fourth inning and gives up just three hits uh, just two runs both of them earn but again three walks he continues to give up the free pass here which really puts him in a lot of trouble and we had a text thread going on Friday watching Dylan Cease and it's just unesthetically pleasing baseball to watch and it's just nerve-wracking to watch especially after the White Sox spot him the five nothing lead and you're thinking exactly you know that's the big thing for me like you know he he had that I think it was a 30 pitch first inning uh on on Friday and then he sort of rebounded and was able to to reel it in but then the Sox give him that five spot and what does he do he comes back and surrenders two of his own the Sox get him another run and then then he's out of there you know it's just it's frustrating what are you seeing right now with with Dylan Cease and and what can the White Sox do to sort of get him on the right track it's the same stuff like that was the most um disappointing thing first inning you said it got out of something that was serious and he's like okay breathe Socks go out and rough up Dane Dunning like they're supposed to. And the first batter Dylan sees faces, he walks him. <clears throat> I hate walks in general. But from a guy with premium stuff like Dylan Cease has and the score being what it was, it was the most frustrating thing I've seen in a while. Battle. I don't know the Sox haven't been great defensively, but let your team behind you do the work. It's the Texas Rangers out there. Giving them life with walks is dangerous. And his whole his whole thing is about confidence. You can see he carries the 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 hard times with him while he's pitching. You can see the uncompetitive pitches he's throwing a foot off of the plate. Like if you're spotting a fastball on the outside and you pair that with a, a slider that's like a foot off of the plate on purpose, I understand that. That that at least was a game plan that you're trying to get the the hitter looking fastball, and then you throw him something that's way off and off speed. But his pitches don't have any combination. He would throw a fastball way in on, on inside of the plate, not having the command or control of that fastball, and then try to back it up with a slider that is way off the plate. Like, if you're doing that, I would rather you – tunnel the pitches that at least they look the same and they come out of the same arm slot and they're coming for the same area of the plate then I would say okay I see what he's trying to do and he's just missing and that's human to air is human but he doesn't have like a game plan when he's out there you know I'm sure that they go over hitters and I'm sure that they have some type of situational uh, game plan that they want to execute but he doesn't do it Four and, a th- four and two thirds, four and two thirds, four and two thirds, and this one was three and a third. That's a starter. You cannot have that. It's putting undue pressure on the bullpen early, maybe making our bullpen look as poor as it's looked before. I mean, it's on them too, but being overworked this early with a fourth starter that's giving you bullpen problems every single time he goes out there is taxing. 
So I'm just I'm not done with Dylan Cease. No, I you know he has it. the power. And, it, you know, I'm done with Ronaldo Lopez. I don't want to see that movie ever again. <laughs> but that's the frustrating part. Like, Ronaldo Lopez, I know he has the stuff, but also I don't th- think it's ever going to click on. I think you got to give Dylan at least a full calendar year of – or at least a season. Like, he hasn't pitched a full season yet, folks, just to see if he is anything. Maybe – a switch of the roles between him and Kopech might work, but I'm not ready to give up on him as a total loss for the White Sox. Sometimes it takes these guys a little bit, like it took Giolito a little bit to get it clicked in. But see, nothing has worked as yet, and I wonder why it's not going. Why he isn't uh, consulting somebody, a sports psychologist? Because I think most of these things are in between his head. Like all his problems are in between his head. And he needs to clear himself of that because the stuff is is electric, as anybody can see. Yeah, you know, and you know, you mentioned the free passes there, and our guy Ed used to say, I don't know if he came up with this phrase, but he would say it a lot. He's like, you know, walks breathe life into a to an offense, right? Like if if you're if you're a team like the Rangers who are not world beaters. Uh, offensively, you know, you give them the free pass, they are going to make you pay. And I think as he got through that lineup a couple times, you know, the second time around through the order, second time around, like, you know, he he tried to just blow the fastball by them. And then the second time around in the order, they just, it was not working. Um, So I'll give him credit for that. At least he was, he wasn't trying to be cute out there. Like he was trying to just, here it is, man. Uh, I'll I'll say that, you know, he was just trying to give, you know, throw the fastball by him and see what they do with it. But that doesn't work at the major league level. Eventually, you're going to get burned and what is our timeline here to make a decision on Dylan Cease I said in a text to you when I was talking about the issues of Dylan Cease like I just see uh, a guy out there he's got no plan of attack I I I would love to see him work a little bit quicker Um, maybe have he had Grandal behind the plate on Friday maybe have Zach Collins the next time you go out there uh, give him some more familiarity They, they they seem to be working together in the spring and of course uh, in the minor leagues, they were together quite a bit. Um, but, you know, just the same plan of attack when the, the the lineup turns over and you can't have that. So if you're the White Sox and you're Rick Hahn, how long do you give Dylan Cease before we we talked about in our text thread sending him down to Schaumburg or if it's going to be uh, Charlotte by then? Uh, what's our timetable on that? Because I say maybe Memorial Day is a reasonable time to, to think about that as an option. What about you? I think... I'm not. I'm probably not going to send him back down. I'm trying to think about this. Like I want to give him a chance at the major league level because he's he is a major league pitcher. And the thing I would send him down to Charlotte or to Schaumburg for would be for confidence, seeing people strike out, seeing that ball go where you want it to go, and face inferior hitters, and then get the confidence that is necessary to pitch at the major leagues. And maybe that is what he needs, or I say switch the two and see how he does as a long reliever. Seeing, see how he does with less pitches to think about. Pare it down just your fastball. If you want to pick one of your off-speed pitches, use that and then you know see which one is working that day. Because I think he probably holds something back from that fastball. He reaches at the upper 98. I'm sure if he had a short outing, he can get up to 100 miles per hour, as we saw with the Aldolis, Aldolis Garcia uh, at bat. He was throwing balls right past him, and later on, Garcia 
touched up uh, Liam Hendricks for a home run because the fastball was a little bit slower than what um, Dylan Cease was throwing. He has the great stuff. I think maybe seeing people getting struck out against his fastball in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth inning is a little bit different because he hasn't seen those innings in this year and not a lot in his career. So maybe he's more destined for a long reliever start. I don't really want to have him down in the minors because that brings up people. I don't want to be up here like Ronaldo Lopez will get the call back and Stever's not ready. I can't wait. Till oh, he gets, boy. Until he gets a minor league season under him. Like he'll he'll be fine once that happens, but never bring him back up to the majors <laughs> until he gets a little more seasoning bound in the minors. But yeah, I Jonathan Stever is trying to ruin my weekend, Herb. Like after that, after that nice, a, a, you know, snow, a snowman that you put up there and, uh, you know, Michael Kopech is out there dealing and all of a sudden you have Jonathan Stever out there and we just can't get anyone out. And all of a sudden, you know, the lead begins to chip away, but Stever's going back to Schaumburg and uh, he'll get another good look at that Woodfield mall listed as the number one attraction in Schaumburg. But I, I hope it's a while we get, to see it before we have to see it again but like you said he needs to pitch against live hitters like I, you know going from Schaumburg to the major league level like you're facing a team who's trying to avoid a sweep uh and he's seen Michael Kopech all day I don't like that matchup for Jonathan Stever I think that was a bad spot to put him in but I know they they really didn't have a choice but yeah I understood the plan what they were doing uh what they're trying to accomplish there but yeah it's really really tough to have a guy in what second or third uh, appearance in major leagues yeah. go against a team that has nothing to lose and just yeah like you said got dominated by another guy and would have had anybody else out there rather than Michael Kopech their their spirits were lifted immediately when Kopech left in the fi- after the 5th inning so but game ball though be- game ball the Garrett Crochet uh, on Sunday, pitches the three innings. Velocity was back up to 98, I saw, and he was able to to eat the bulk of those innings uh, left uh, in, in uh, left voided there by Kopech and really just solidified uh, that victory there and was able to to get those crucial outs and get bail out Jonathan Stever. So, yeah, just a quick uh, tip of the cap to Garrett Crochet, who looked really good, and I think he's you know trying to figure out how to pitch at the big league level, and he's put in some you know situations that are not always ideal. Sunday certainly was not. Not ideal, and just it was a good job by him uh, getting out of that. But anyway, continue. Yeah, and I just think that, you know, I know that he was called up for a reason, and this was probably the plan. The White Sox didn't have a lot of pitchers available to them to pitch in the Sunday's game. So it was Kopech, it was Crochet, Stever, and then Ruiz. They pitched all the pitchers they had available for that day. So Stever had to eat some innings. He did not get the job done. And you, like you said, Crochet came in and did the job that Stever half of the job that Stever was supposed to do. So uh, the cap to him and Ruiz and it's the perfect situation for him to come in with. I think the Sox had a, like a four run lead. He could just relax and throw strikes. And he did that. And again, it gets back to the thing I mentioned last week. Uh, or two weeks ago now, maybe, uh, whenever it was, after the Boston series when everyone was saying, why is Jose Ruiz out there in that spot? I think maybe that provided a little more comfortability for him to be out there in a situation with a little more breathing room. And he he, you know, he hammered down that team that was trying to, to stave off a sleep, uh, sweep right there. So uh, tip of the cap to Ruiz as well. But we're going to take a quick timeout. And, you know, without any further ado, we're going to get into this Michael Kopech situation and and what the White Sox are going to do about it. We'll talk more about that start on Sunday, how awesome he was, and we'll try to construct a plan on what the White Sox should do in 2021 with Michael Kopech. That's next here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at rockauto.com. 
You know, there's so many different makes and models of cars these days, it's become impossible for your traditional chain storefront to stock all those parts that your car's ever going to need. So why endure that process of going into the store and asking what you think are dumb questions, and you wait for the person behind the counter to check their inventory on their computer, and they only choose the brands that they happen to carry? Why would you do that when you have access to a vast catalog of auto parts at rockauto.com in your pocket it's right there on your phone silly you know there's a lot of reasons to maintain your automobile i know herb and i are thinking about hitting the road here we're making our road trip plans for pittsburgh in june and i know if i'm going to be driving i want to make sure my car is running in tip-top shape you know we're approaching a couple hundred thousand miles on that thing and you know i want to make sure herb and i are safe on the road to pittsburgh so whatever my car is going to need to keep me on the road longer i'm going to go to rockauto.com and get those parts. And I know by shopping at rockauto.com, those prices are gonna be reliably low, not just for me, not just for you, but for everybody. You see, because those chain stores, they charge different price tiers for do-it-yourselfers and professional mechanics, but not rockauto.com. Their prices are always reliably low. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. I think I'm gonna need some new air freshener before we hit the road here with her. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks, and best of all, delivered right to your door so go to rockauto.com now see all the parts available for your car or truck write the promo code locked on in their how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com this episode of locked on white Sox is brought to you by our new friends a new sponsor welcome on into the show 1010 a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by the 10 most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life, and she deserves it, doesn't she folks they're available now through mother's day only only at bluenile.com that's bluenile.com search the words 10 by 10 this collection features high quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and they're fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful i'm on bluenile.com right now and one design that stuck out to me is number five lola fenhurst this designer out of Paris has crafted a quiet yet luxurious ring with beautiful ascending beads, which is a good metaphor for a union. You can purchase that ring at the 10 by 10 collection now at BlueNile.com. That's the number five Lola Fenhurst out of Paris. If you're on the hunt for the perfect unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th through May 1st. Definitely want to check that out. All right, so getting back to Kopech here, Herb, on Sunday, he was just Filthy, filthy, filthy. He was basically what we have seen all year, the 10 strikeouts. Uh, his first uh, of seven guys that he retired were all retired 
via the punch out. And he was just awesome. You know, it was a real weird first inning there for him. And it goes to show you his composure when he's out there and his confidence. Like, him and Zach Collins got crossed up a couple times, and I don't know what what went on there. I try to listen to the post game to see uh, what that was made of that, and I don't think it was it was brought up at all. But because he kind of cruised after that, but there was a couple moments in that first inning where Kopech just pounding the zone like he's one to do, and then Collins and him were a little shaky there. And I don't know what was going on there. I, I think Collins still needs some work. He's still kind of loud back there. You know, they, they say when, when a good pitch framer is back there, he's, he's quiet. And, you know, Collins is anything but that. And I don't know whose fault it was on the cross-up. But to Collins' credit, he did a good job of kind of reframing these pitches that were like, looked awful. Like the execution of pitcher and catcher being in unison was awful. But the pitches were still in the strike zone, which goes to show you how good Kopech is. He's still pounding that zone where... Zach Collins can be out there doing the splits and being, you know, you know, doing cartwheels back there trying to frame a pitch, but he doesn't really need to do all that much framing because there's strikes at the end of the day. So hopefully they get that cleared up. Uh, but I would like to see, uh, you know, that that thing uh, tighten up a little bit with Zach Collins. I don't know if it's because he's not playing enough lately, but it certainly uh, looked odd there. But you know, just. Hitting 96, you know, into the third inning, that that strikeout of Joey Gallo there, chest high 97 for the final out of the third, that was a thing of beauty. But then around the fifth inning, you know, around the 75 pitch mark, I'm like, oh man, they they really are going deep in this ball game here. With that, that's when I decided to fire off the the tweet there after the fourth inning. I was like, wow. You know, they, they, he cruised through that fourth inning, and, you know, he's doubling up nearly the pitch count after that Boston game that he had. But in the fifth inning, the velocity started to drop just a touch. He was, you know, hovering around 94. You, you know, the, the control started to suffer a little bit, and you could tell, like, he was kind of at the end of his rope, but still was able to pitch his way out of it when he was able to roll up that double play ground ball. Uh, that Madrigal had that hesitation move there. I, I mentioned that in yesterday's show that you know it was wasn't a perfect weekend for McMa- Nick Madrigal because he had that little that quick hesitation that caused TA to sort of airmail that ball to Pito. I think that the timing was disrupted there. Uh, Stoney was talking about it, but eventually he does get out of uh, out of that jam there in the fifth inning, and he goes on to throw the 87 pitches. So. What do the White Sox do with Michael Kopech here the rest of the way? Now, I, I did some accounting here uh, on, on his innings, his career high for innings pitched. 2017, he threw 134 innings between Birmingham and Charlotte. And then 2018, between the White Sox and Charlotte, he throws 142 innings pitched. Okay, So we know that in 2019 and 2020, after Tommy John and COVID opt-out, no innings pitched there. So we talk about it all the time on the show. There's no real roadmap for what they're trying to do. There's no formula that they can follow with someone else coming back from from Tommy John that also happened to opt out a year after. So they're really going by feel, I think, here. And did it surprise you first and foremost, Herb, that they left him in for so long during Sunday start? Did, you know, they let him letting him get to 87 pitches was a lot more than I thought they would let him get to. Didn't surprise me. And I said, I think I said Connor Falefa hit the home run. It was Dahl who hit the home run off of him. But I think that, yeah, he saw him. I think that was like they didn't have an actual number on it, but they's like, let's see how he reacts and how, how the batters react to his pitches and then take him out after that. So Texas wasn't squaring him up. They might have been hitting him a little bit, but they weren't hitting him hard. And with the 10-plus strikeouts he had versus the Rangers, filthy, just 
out there just dealing. So I was very happy that they let him pitch that fifth inning and got through it successfully. I knew after that it looked like he was told a certain, uh, like, hey, this is going to be it, so empty the tank, and he did as such. But I think if we're talking about Michael Kopech going further for this year, you cited the 142, and I that's what I kind of went off of. I was like, he's around that time, like 142, 150 in innings. He's already pitched 16 this year. So you have, what, a buck 29 left of, if I have my uh, things right, it's like a buck 29 on that area left. And just to round it up, that's the uh, number of innings he probably has left. And this is not hard and fast. You know, this is just me guessing. Yeah. So So if you go, if you do that, what is it? Like these are, there's already been what? five rotation starts if you just go through the whole thing i say he's probably at the 25 starts left and that gives you five innings per start if you just go as a starter going further and i think that's the way you have to utilize the kid maybe they're gonna slow roll that into like maybe 120 innings and start him later in the season maybe end of may beginning of june but we all know it's just a matter of when not if yeah, I, I think so. So in regards to that, what are they thinking? Here's what Tony LaRusso said in the post game about the plan for Michael Kopech. He was noncommittal, but here's what he did say. Michael Kopech's going to be a starting pitcher, top-line starting pitcher. But right now, uh, it made sense to get him you know, in condition to you know, add more and more pitches. It worked out the way. And more importantly, the fact that he has competed so well shows – you know, he's got good guts when he goes out there. He keeps his cool and concentration. So I don't have a crystal ball. But if he pitched, you know, and I use the Wainwright experience from 06, he could pitch in the bullpen all year long and, and next year win 20. Or maybe later on he pitches this year as a starter. Uh, he's just – it's exciting to see that he, he can do both for us. You know, the, the two times that he started, he started where he had enough rest. And I'm telling you that there could be a, a game uh, – well, in fact – uh, didn't we hold him out of the game the other day? Because if we if we didn't need him to win the game, you know, he's going he's going to help us right now when he's available. But if it comes up, there's a start, and we can get him the the proper rest. I mean, that's that's a terrific advantage for our team. So Tony mentions rest there, and I think that's going to be a big part of this. So just going, if you you know, I've got this thing mapped out here. I'm trying to figure out how they can pull this off, where Michael Kopech is starting games for you through. Uh, the postseason starting now, like if he keep up his trajectory where he's out there, you know, giving the team the best chance to win when he's out there with the ball in the first inning, starting these games, not just being an opener, but starting and trying to go relatively deep in these games. So, you know, he's got 15 innings pitch now, and let's just go off of uh, the framework of having six days rest. Now, I don't know what this does to other guys in the rotation, but I'm just isolating Kopech here in terms of what's working for him. So the last time he pitched was six days ago, so he had six days rest, and he looked effective today. And you heard Tony there talking about the rest, and I, and I think maybe that's how they're going to play this thing and make sure he has the most amount, maximum amount of rest as possible. But if you just go by six days rest, uh, you know, in May he can make four starts, okay? And, you know, you're talking about, let's say, six innings a start there, you know, who knows? Pitch count. You know, a lot of these things depend on high stress innings, high stress pitches. But you know, you're talking about Kopech having 
40 innings pitched through May, okay? And then if he makes another four starts in June with six days of rest every time out, that's about 64 innings there that, that you'll have him out there pitching, okay? So it's 64 innings pitched through June. And then July is where you start have to getting uh, get a little creative, but you have that luxury there of the all-star break where if you space him out enough, he only has three starts in the month of July, and that's max. Like you could definitely you can pull him back a start and really work it around where he's not really pitching. You know, maybe he pitches once a week before the All Star break, and you don't see him again until the very end of the turn of the rotation after that. But then you you basically have Michael Kopech around 82 innings by the end of July. Okay, and that's after making about 18 starts. Okay, you go through August, the dog days, and this is maybe where you want to start being creative, and you have to really monitor him at this point, but. You know, through August, he makes five starts. I have it penciled in here. Five starts in August, leaves him at 112 innings. And if you want him to make meaningful starts in September, leaving him at around five starts in September will get you 142 innings when you're averaging about six innings per appearance there. So he's already at his career high as the season ends, and you want him to be ready for you during the postseason uh, now. I don't know how he's best deployed in the postseason. If that's a starting pitcher or if that's a guy that's a swingman that comes in and gets high leverage outs, let's say, once you hit the second turn through the order. If you are Tony LaRusso and Rick Hahn and you see Michael Kopech now here, it's only April 25th, but if you're trying to piece this thing together for the postseason, Herb, how would you uh, incorporate Michael Kopech in the postseason plans here? Do you have him starting? Uh, and, and if so, that means he'd probably start ahead of who Keuchel you know because I certainly want Giolito out there game one I think you know unless things change here dramatically over the next few months I expect him to be the guy that we're going to want out there Lance Lynn is a guy who I want to get the ball now whether that's before Keuchel I'm not so sure Keuchel was great on Saturday but you know you could get Babbitt to death in a postseason game and you can be sitting there wondering what the hell happened you saw that happen in Oakland last year how would you deploy Michael Kopech in a perfect world everyone's healthy uh, during a, the postseason run if the Sox are lucky enough to make it I use him like the White Sox are using right now especially since they're trying to con- conserve his energy and his innings um he would be my high leverage person piggybacking off of whatever Dallas Keuchel does so Dallas Keuchel goes out there and shoves and gives you the six, seven innings that you need. You don't need Kopech. You save them. You save the bullets for the next time. But I want my veterans out there starting games um, with the experience and the know-how to do so. Uh, I don't want to put a rookie out there with uh, a limit. Firstly, they if they're already at 142 for the regular season, that's his season and career high, you probably don't want to do that coming off Tommy John, coming off and not pitching the year before. So I was want him out there giving all out effort. You're in, kid. It's a clean inning. Dallas just got out of the fourth inning, but he seems winded. He gave up a couple of the, the inning before. Yeah. But it's now it's your turn to shut the door. Throw your shit. We're gonna keep you in there until until we say you're done. And if Michael Kopech goes the rest of the game. That's what I'm about. But I would want my, you know, if all things being equal, if he now let's say this, if Michael Kopech in the 30 starts you gave him turns into a top 10 Cy Young guy, rookie of the year, all this stuff, and he continues a pitch like this, I got to have him in the rotation. Right. But I think there's going to be some type of regression to the mean. Of Michael Kopech is not going to be this filthy. And <laughs> hell, 
bring this tape back to me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Fuck it. Bring it back. But I say all things being equal, how we figure it out, that is his best role in this iteration of the White Sox. In 2021 White Sox and how he's doing this year and their plans for him going future uh for further, I'm not going to do like the Nationals did with Steven Strasburg and not pitch him in the postseason. That would that would break that would break my heart, man. Like that, that would, would be I'd very hate valuable that. for him. Yeah. yeah, like and people are like oh, it worked out. They won a World Series. He's still healthy. They re-signed him. Yeah, it worked out for them. Like we always say, the results don't necessarily make the choice, the initial decision correct. I was all about pitching your stud in the postseason to give him that seasoning. To give him that that chance to get that opportunity out of his way, so next time he pitches, like, oh, he has experience. That's what we're going to be feeling good about next postseason with Lucas Giolito. Was like, yeah, he knows how to pitch in the postseason because he shoved when it was versus the A's, and he showed them what what was worth to it. And I know that experience has turned him into the pitcher he is today. The Boston start notwithstanding, so. I think giving him an uh, opportunity to pitch in the postseason is very valuable, but also using the governor to bring him back a little bit more, not having him start a, such a high leverage game. Yeah, I'm just I'm really concerned about this. Like, I know I should be happy that that he's becoming the guy that we thought he could be and the guy that we flirted with in 2018 when he was up. And I was so impressed with him in 2018, just how advanced he was beyond his years navigating through a lineup, you know, like he's, he's, he's a different animal, dude. Like he's not a a Dylan Cease. Okay. And there's a lot of variables here. What happens with Dylan Cease? Does Carlos Rodon regress and he's been great so far but does he look more like the Carlos Rodon that we've seen in years past like there's a lot of uh, of, of variables here that will you know work into this decision but I worry Tony La Russa is becoming the most popular man in that building I fear next to Jerry Reinsdorf and I worry that a, a guy who's ring chasing here who maybe may not be here for another you know five years you know certainly I don't think he's uh, in the plans for the next you know five years but you have a guy here and he's tantalized by what Michael Kopech has given you day in and day out and I just I worry that Rick Hahn is thinking about the big picture, but I worry that Tony La Russa is thinking about the here and now because he sounded pretty confident in that postgame presser on Sunday that, you know, Kopech was going to be starting this year. He did quali- give it the qualifier, like, you know, oh, maybe he'll be in the bullpen, you know, um, like in 06 with, uh, with uh, Adam Wainwright. But, you know, I, I do worry that this team needs the innings and we still, you know, begin to see these these shaky outings continue from, from Dylan Cease. You know, uh, or an, an injury happens. You know, God forbid, and all of a sudden he's got to be thrust in that position. I, I worry that they, that he gets rushed here, and they they have to play this perfectly. You know, they could get lucky. He could throw 150 plus innings and never feel any ill effects. But we know starting pitching at this level, it's you know, it's never easy. It's never perfect, and there's there's always going to be some things that make you uncomfortable out there when you when you see a guy like that in this situation, especially when he doesn't have the track record to prove it. But I thought what Steve Stone said during the broadcast on Sunday, when asked about sort of you know when did the broadcast with Stoney, and Stoney was asked about, you know, what would he do? You know, we trust Steve Stone with his opinions on all things starting pitching. Um, You know, Stoney kind of said, slow your roll a little bit on this stuff. Here's the fine line that Ethan Katz and Tony La Russa have to walk with Michael Kopech. He's been out for the better part of two years. 
Is there anything wrong with his arm? No, his arm's terrific. You can see that today. Anything wrong with his stuff? His stuff is wonderful. Anything wrong with his competitive nature? Not a thing. The one thing you have to be concerned of, doesn't matter how well he looked today, but you have to limit his innings this year. And trying to get greedy with him, with the upside he has, which is unlimited, would not be very smart. And our guys in the front office, our guys in the dugout, they're not going to risk the future of Michael Kopech to burn him out this year too early because even if you use him semi-regular in the rotation for a bit, he's so dominating when he's right. If this team does what everybody hopes it does and those guys in the dugout think it's going to, they get into postseason play. You would love to have him around. And to do that, you have to manage his innings in April, May, June, and July so he can be ready to contribute something in August and September. Last thing you want to see is them have to shut him down from too many innings. So if we're up to Stoney, I don't think you'd see Michael Kopech start uh, in, in a true starter sense, you know, an opener aside. I don't think you see Kopech start many more games here early on in the season. What do you think about what Stoney said there about Kopech's plan? It makes sense. It makes 100% sense, but I just I just don't want to baby the kid. Like, I understand the reason for caution, and that's why I don't want to start him in the postseason games, but the White Sox are going for it, and the White Sox themselves, Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf, put themselves in this situation to have Dylan Cease show very little uh, aptitude to be a starting pitcher. So Michael Kopech showing that he's at the top of Major League Baseball, and it's not just us, folks. I'm looking at the percentile ranking or rankings right now he's at the 99 percentile and x slugging x isolated power uh 98 and expected weighted uh weighted on base percentage is at the top of 97 percent of k rate he's doing elite elite level right now doing some things that are at the top like you said elite level so he's looking that great stoney has his opinion and he put it eloquently there and later on said that you know the argument between him and uh Ozzie Guillen which it wasn't really argument. yeah Ozzie Ozzie believed like hey let him go man he's like you're the best thing you have going for you let him let him go out there and pitch and right. I agree with that and Stoney was like hey which one of us has pitched in their life <laughs> and that was a, that was a nice retort and Ozzie took it with a grain of salt and he said yeah I'll, I'll defer to Steve but you can't in the championship window I think it's going to be very hard for a fan like myself to see Michael Kopech out there and not maximize that potential this year. That's up to that's up to Tony and to Rick Hahn and all the people at the White Sox to do if they believe that's the best for Michael Kopech and the White Sox going forward. But it'd be very hard for this year to see Michael Kopech not utilized to the maximum. When you see him, you got to have him out there. You want to have him out there. I think your plan of giving him maximum rest and so that cuts down his innings. He's not an every fifth day starter. He's an every sixth day starter. When you can get him out there, baby, let's do it. Let's let's get him out there when we can because we know that he is, by the numbers and by those batters' reactions, he's one of the best pitchers in the game right now as a rookie. We'll take a quick time out and preview the rest of the week here on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you today by Bet Online. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is in the rearview mirror. 
but the NBA and the NHL are in full swing, along with baseball. You can bet on baseball every night if you'd like at betonline.ag. As a matter of fact, they even have award show props, TV show props, and reality TV show prop bets for you to indulge in even when you're not watching sports. And best of all, the odds are updated in real time on almost anything you can imagine. Maybe you're like me and you don't like to bet on baseball. Maybe you follow the markets and you want to place a bet on how the Dow is going to perform. You can do that at betonline.ag. You can bet on the New York Lottery at betonline.ag. They've got everything, even pro wrestling. Monday Night Raw has prop bets at betonline.ag. They've got you covered on all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to sign up to place your bets. And best of all, friends, it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget our promo code when you sign up. Our promo code is locked on. That's locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. All right, big week here for the Sox. They're looking to keep that winning streak rolling. They're winners of four in a row. Finally, three games over 500 in second place behind the first place Kansas City Royals, no doubt here. But the Motor City Kitties are in town, Herb, and the Sox did their thing, and they beat up on the Tigers a ton last year. But tonight, uh, Jose Ureña is going, and uh, he's going up against Lucas Giolito, hopefully. that's uh, He's in the game notes, Giolito is, from Sunday. He is the TBD uh, starter, uh, looking to rebound off his effort against the Red Sox last week. And you have Wednesday, you have Casey Mize, who brings his 1-2 and two record with a 5-2-3 run run average, versus Carlos Rodon, who Carlos Rodon's just been amazing, 3-0 and with a .47 run run average. And then on Thursday, Matthew Boyd, lefty, who the Sox usually do a nice job against, but he's having a nice year so far with a 1-8-2 ERA versus Dylan Cease again, maybe. So a pretty favorable matchup here with the Tigers, uh, who are pitching well, uh, relatively speaking, um, you know, the ERA is uh, notwithstanding for these starters, but the Sox should eat this week. Do you agree? I agree 100%. That should be, if not two out of three, it should be a whole sweep. White Sox have probably, they're, what, the two best pitchers this year going, I mean, not which is the Michael Kopech stuff that we just talked about, but Rodon has been a, a revelation. He's been great this year, and Lucas Giglio is their ace. And I'm worried about the Dylan C start, but if you can't beat Detroit, a 7-15 Detroit team, then who could we put you out there against? You know what I mean? So yeah, um, we should be getting three games here. We should be. We eat first Matthew Boyd. When he sees us, he pisses in his pants, especially with Timmy <laughs> started off the game. That's going to be our toughest matchup, I think, pitching-wise. Uh, Casey Mize, while uh, fascinating and great and will be a stud, I think we got his goat last year, and the, it'll continue for a little bit until he turns into Justin Verlander. I think that was the beginning of his career, too, where the White Sox were crushing him, and then he turned into Justin Verlander in the middle of that career. So let's hold that a little bit back. But a sweep of the Detroit Tigers is what I'm looking for. Two out of three is the minimum. So it's right here for you folks, uh, for the White Sox here. Hopefully the Sox will be in first place by the end of the week and, you know, you know, stopping them now at that point. So uh, we'll be back 
Wednesday morning, tomorrow morning, midnight, the recap of the first game of the Tiger series. Sound good, Herb? We'll recap the, the lid lifter against Detroit, and that will be posted at midnight on Wednesday morning, provided that game is not still going on, obviously. I have to throw that disclaimer out there. So that's all I got. Should be another fun week, and uh, we'll be back to uh, five shows this week, and I'm looking forward to it. It's a fun team to break down every day. Yeah, it's finally this team is rounding into form and rounding into shape. It's good to see that the Shy Sox are back, and we're going to be <laughs> taking over first place this week. Let me put it down. I predict. It's not a guarantee. Like I predict by the end of the Tiger Series, first place White Sox, at least tied there. Let's go for it, friends. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Chris Tannehill, me, Ecknerwall23. Our show is Locked on Sox, 312-566-8727 to leave a voicemail. LockedOnSocks at gmail.com to leave an email and go to YouTube and subscribe. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this edition of Locked On Socks.